We told you that Sarah is doing her doctoral studies in Rome, so she flies there, she comes back. She just got back a couple of days ago, so thanks for coming back home. Rome's a pretty cool place, so we're excited to take her back. Hello, everyone. Um, so yeah, so when he said we got back a few days ago, so I got back from Rome on Monday night. So I'm super jet lagged right now, and it feels to me like it's 2 a.m., but it's not. It makes this very interesting. So a little story for you, just to prove that jet lag is real, and because someone needs to appreciate this, well now a lot of people will. Um, so this morning, I was a bit rushed. I was really tired, and I needed to get to the radio station, because Sister Tracy Duga and I are starting a radio show. And I was backing out of my driveway, and I was looking to make sure I didn't hit any cars or human beings. But being jet lagged, which is super just, the only way I can explain it is I'm just super spaced out. You might hear in the presentation, like, skip words or don't seem to connect certain things. Anyway, I'm backing out of my driveway, almost completely out of my driveway, and then I hear, as I hit something, right? Um, so there's this tree. <laughs> like is angled in my driveway and I've always almost hit it like several times but I've never actually hit it until today and my car has a dent to prove it and <laughs> I got out of my car and I was like well that happened and usually other things would be like who put that there and I was like well it's a tree it's been there the whole time can't really blame you Jesus I just totally backed into a tree that's fine I just hit immovable objects but whatever so it's my funniest story for the day, and it really happened, and my car has a bruise to prove it. So now I'm going into the gift of tonight's presentation. So this is the third part in our series. This is titled Male and Female, He Created Them. So we are going to dive pretty deep, um, kind of fast, because we only have about 45 minutes. But if you did not think that perhaps this teaching is... Um, maybe controversial for those in the world. I'm gonna give you some sources and examples of ways in which people aren't so sure that male and female are maybe the only ways that we can exist as human beings. Maybe there's like 70 other genders that we could be. And, um, and then I'm gonna illuminate for you what the church actually offers us, right? Which is a voice of truth and a voice of wisdom and a voice of stability. So to begin, I wanna start with the verse that we're gonna come back to, but I want us to look through this lens. So, in Genesis, right, Adam's walking around, and he's looking at all of the creatures, and he's naming them. But it says that he cannot find a helper fit for him. So God puts Adam into a deep sleep, and he creates Eve. And when man awakens, this is what happens. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man leaves his father and his mother and cleaves to his wife, and they become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. The reason why this is so important, y'all, just to review with you, what is theology of the body? So if you haven't been here before, in a nutshell, theology of the body is a teaching that expresses for us the reality that as human beings, we were created in the image and likeness of God. What does that mean? That means that when I look at another human person, they should exist to me almost as a mirror reflecting 
to me what God would look like, right? So God, he, he took on human flesh, he became right Jesus, incarnate word, but God is, is really pure spirit. So we are the tangible creatures that live on this earth that all of creation should be able to look at, and when they look at us, they should be reminded of who God is. Because God's identity is love. And we, as rational creatures, have the capacity to reason, to know the good, and to choose. And at the end of the day, love is a choice. So we can choose for the good, we can choose for love, we can offer ourselves in for love. Um, if I had a chalkboard, I'd like draw on it for you right now, and I couldn't figure out the graphics to put this in the slideshow, so follow the uh, description. But if I were to draw for you, right, put the word father, and then I show an arrow pointing to, and then I put the word son. So God the Father offers himself, right? The Trinity is a communion of persons. God the Father offers himself in love to the Son. The Son receives that gift, right? And then he offers it back to the Father. So then I draw an arrow from the Son to the Father. And then I would say their love is so real that that love is the Holy Spirit, okay? The human family, specifically the relationship between man and woman, is such that man has the invitation to offer himself, right, fully and freely to the gift of woman. Woman fully and freely can receive that gift and offer herself back. And if they offer themselves in and through the gifts of their bodies within marriage, right, a gift of totality, that love is so real that sometimes we give it a name nine months later, right, because it's another person. This is a fruit and a reality that comes from the fact that we are human beings and that we can choose, right? This is not the same kind of thing as animals and they just continue on the species. This is something that we can use our wills for also, right? It's not just feelings. Love is also a choice. So we use our intellect and will in offering ourselves in love. So this important quote is kind of our underlying theme here. Man becomes the image of God, not so much in the moment of solitude as in the moment of communion. Communion, to be with an other, to have an authentic relationship. Okay, remember all this happy stuff. Now we're going to enter the reality of the culture. Dun, dun, dun. So, if you haven't heard of uh, gender theory, it's a thing, or it's actually debated if it's even a thing, because people don't really think gender is real. So, just to illustrate for you, you might have heard this before and several times, and I'm sorry, but I'm going to repeat it. So, why the heck do I give these talks? So, when I was a freshman in college, which wasn't that long ago, kind of. I was taking this women's studies class, and on the first day of class, we had to go around the room, and we had to say our name, our biological sex, and our gender. And I was like, um, I thought that was all the same thing. I've never considered this differently, right? So, like, people are going around, there was like 33 people in this class, and they are saying, you know, I'm so-and-so, and I'm this, and I'm this. And I'm like, um, I'm Sarah. I am a woman and I am female. And then I just, I don't even remember what happened after that because I feel like I was a little bit scarred. Not because it's crazy, in a sense actually it's crazy. But I had never encountered this before, right? In college is where you really discover in a very deep way, oh, not everyone thinks like I do, okay? There's this whole other world of thought. And I have to discover for me, right, like what is truth? Is there truth? And if there is, what is it? Or is truth relative, right? So I set out on this journey to discover, well, what the heck does it mean to be a woman? Because in this class, we would 
completely argue about that reality, right? And then, so gender theory is based on this argument saying, um, you can choose what you want to be, right? So we would have debates in class about raising our children gender neutral. So what would that look like? That would mean that if I had a little girl, then I should make sure that I don't just give her dolls because that's sexist, right? That's not being gender neutral. I need to make sure she also plays with trucks. Can little girls play with trucks? Yes. Oh my gosh, I played sports my whole life. I realized when I'm doing this talk, I'm like, we call that a tomboy. Like, but I'm still a woman. I'm still gonna play sports as a girl plays sports, right? So this argument of gender theory, though, realize what it is, is that it's saying that your biological sex is one thing, and your gender does not have to have any connection to that. The World Health Organization, so you can look up here, what they define gender to be is to be referring to the socially constructed roles, behaviors, activities, and attributes that a given society considers appropriate for men and for women. So it's just about a social construct, according to this organization, right? So it can change in the next 10 years, it can change in the next 20 years. Gender does not have to be anything that's stable. There are actually places in the world where they're arguing that, and they've done this, like for instance in a kindergarten classroom, that any games that are not gender neutral should not be allowed, okay? Because if they're not gender neutral, then we're not allowing the child the freedom to choose what gender they want to be, okay? First of all, they're like five, okay? Um, but you would be surprised at the decisions that they are putting in the hands of five-year-olds who do not yet know who the heck they are, what they want with life, right? But there's a confusion. The word I would pick if I had to sum it up is confusion. This is a massive confusion. And my hope is by the end of this presentation, you have a little bit of light so that you don't have to be confused. There actually is some guiding foundation here for you to look back on. But before we go to that, I'm going to just give you some more examples. So in the English-speaking world, if you go on Facebook, apparently there's like 70 or more options of genders that you can choose from. Okay, guys, do you all see me up here for a second? Okay, you do. Right, if I stand up here and I'm like, mm, I'm black, can you all tell I'm black? No, right? And you should all be offended because I'm not, right? If I stand up here, I'm like, oh, um, I'm, I'm Hispanic. Like, do I look Hispanic? I can't just make that up. If I walk out, I'm like, the sky's purple. Well, you can say whatever you want. It's blue for you, but for me, it's purple. Like, no, it doesn't work, okay? In reality, there are actually, there's an order to things, right? When God created things, there's an order. So we have to look back to the beginning, right? So those verses that we just saw, God created Adam and Eve. Male and female, he created them. There is an intention and a purpose that the human person exists as male and also as female. Just to illustrate this a little bit more for you, um, Bruce Jenner, anyone remember that situation? What happened with that? Okay. The question that we have to ask is, so what actually makes a man a man and a woman a woman? Because according to their definition, the world is using with Bruce Jenner, well, he wants to be a woman so he can just have surgery, right? We can just give him certain hormones and have surgery, and then now he's a woman. And then he wins this award for Woman of the Year. We should be offended by that. I mean, I was, right? Now, this is not to make fun of Bruce Jenner, right? This is not to condemn people that are in that situation. If they're in that situation, they're probably going through a lot of struggles, obviously, right? 
They're dealing with something, and their solution, they think, is I need to change myself to find this happiness, right? But what's interesting, in the psychological realm, talking to a friend of mine who is a counselor, a marriage counselor, is he said in every other form of medicine with psychology, he's like, what we do is we work with a client to help them to match their interior, what they're experiencing, their emotions, their feelings, what they're thinking, right, with external reality, right? Okay, and he said, but for whatever reason, with all these sex change operations and the confusion going on, we're not doing that. We're not saying, you know, there's an external reality. We're saying, what's your interior experience? Okay, let's change your external reality to match that. And it's not having good effects, okay? Um, I don't unfortunately have time to put all the statistics, but you can keep looking them up and they're all there. Once again, we're not saying that this is an easy thing to comprehend, this is a lot. And I can't give you nearly everything tonight, right? But I'm gonna give you just little pieces. So, this is not to condemn anyone that might struggle with like attractions, confusions, this or that, but this is to give you hope that there is an objective reality offered to each one of you to help you understand who you are as a unique individual, whether that is man or woman. You wanna know what that unique reality is? It's the gift of your body. Your body can inform you about who you are. So, what makes a family, what makes a marriage? Is this a question that we're trying to answer in the culture today? Yeah, right, have we gotten to an answer yet? Well, we're kind of all freaking out. We just changed the law. We're saying, well, marriage can't be this, even though it used to be this. Um, Obama said that love makes a family. Now, is that connected to the truth? Yes. But if we look back in the history of society, right, there's a reason why traditional marriage looked the way that it did. What is the huge, huge difference between what we would call homosexual marriage and a traditional marriage? What's the difference between their relationship? What's the main difference? What? Yeah, the capacity to procreate, to generate, right? And I know sometimes we're like, okay, but like, is that really that big of a deal? Yes, that is a big deal, okay? Because God has entrusted within each of us the capacity to bring life into the world. That is a creative action. The reality that we can do that and participate in that rationally by choosing to love another is unique to the human person. That means that it's a unique relationship between a man and a woman, okay? There's a reason why it has existed since the beginning, right? So remember, Adam can't find anyone like himself. And he's walking around, he's like, Okay, Lord, here's a giraffe, that's nice. Here's a tiger, that's nice. Just not feeling like we really connect, because they don't, right? Can't have deep conversations with the giraffe, right? But then he awakens and he sees Eve and he's like, this at last, right? This is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man, right? He recognizes when he looks at her something very, very important. A, she is like me, right? She's a human being. B, but there's something unique about her. What she draws out of him is this offering of himself, and what he draws out of her is the same thing. So, we're gonna have a little um, time for the next five minutes where I'm reading to you slides. 
because I think they're awesome and I made them kind of simple. Don't worry, this isn't the whole audience because they're a little bit longer, but you can get these notes from Alexis at some point and you'll be able to study these. But I just want you to see this in reflection, right? So transition from this chaos and confusion of you can be whatever you want, um, it's just you can wake up tomorrow and change your mind, right? And I want you to come back to something that's a little more stable. Let's go back before the fall and remember that there was an intentional plan from God the Father for man and for woman. So this is what John Paul II says in response to the verse we just read. When the first man explained at the sight of the woman, this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, he merely affirmed the human identity of both. Explaining in this way, he seems to say, here is a body that expresses the person. He saw her body and realized, this is another person. Human meaning like myself. I can actually have a deep conversation with her, as opposed to the giraffe or the tiger or the bear, right? But truly, I can offer a gift of myself in love, right? Man exists, right? How does he most image God? Not in the moment of solitude as much as in the moment of what? Communion. It says the expression of that gift, and for that reason, the expression of his existence as a person, is the human body in all the original truth of its masculinity and femininity. The body itself witnesses to love as the source from which this same giving springs. Masculinity and femininity, namely sex, is the original sign of a creative donation and an awareness on the part of man, male and female, of a gift lived in an original way. Such is the meaning with which sex enters the theology of the body. When I'm using the word sex on this slide, which happens twice, you are used to, in the culture, hearing it as a verb. Before it is a verb, right, it is a noun. Action follows from being. That's a philosophical phrase. First we start with being. This is not yet the action of sexual intercourse. What this is is sex, meaning the identity, as male and female. Right? It's not what you do all the time that makes you who you are. It's who you are. How were you created? So the original sign of a creative donation, creative meaning can, I can create something. Donation through a gift of myself. I can offer myself in a gift to another. That beatifying meaning blessed, beginning of man's being and existing as male and female is connected with the revelation and discovery of the meaning of the body, which can be called nuptial. He just gave you the answer. What is the meaning of the body? The meaning of the body is nuptial, meaning it can be offered as a gift to another person. And with my body, I can receive the gift of another person. So this is talking about how man accepts woman in his heart of hearts, in his interior. He realizes that she is willed for her own sake, right? She is good in and of herself. She's a gift, she is whole, right? Same thing for Eve, she accepts Adam in the same way. He is willed for his own sake. So this is revealed to them and they discover each other. And I'm gonna let you study all these, but I want you to see this. The affirmation of the person is nothing but acceptance of the gift. Meaning, I look at you, I receive you as you are, and I love you. By receiving you as you are, I love you. 
which by means of reciprocity creates the communion of persons. When man looks at woman and offers himself a gift to her, she receives the gift of him and then offers herself back. A communion of persons is created, which is a reflection of the Trinity, which is a divine communion of persons. Now this is a big deal. You have the capacity to imitate the divine communion of persons, right? See, he's excited. So, this is a great gift. Let's go a little bit deeper, okay? Sexuality and sexual identity. Okay, so you're a human person. Specifically though, each one of you, you're either a female embodiment or, excuse me, a feminine embodiment or a masculine embodiment of human nature. I wanna to read to you these three little quotes from the Catechism, the little book that occasionally has good things to say, as in it always has really good things to say. And this is what it says. Dun, dun, dun. Sexuality affects all aspects of the human person in the unity of his body and soul. It especially concerns affectivity, so like your emotions, the capacity to love and to procreate, and in a more general way, the aptitude for forming bonds of communion with others. Communion, communion, communion. See how that word keeps coming up? We are meant for union, okay? It's not apart from who you are as a man or woman. It's in and through that gift. Then it says, everyone, man and woman, should acknowledge and accept his sexual identity. Physical, moral, and spiritual differences and complementarity I'm having trouble with the book, hold on. Difference and complementarity are oriented towards the goods of marriage and the flourishing of family life. The differences aren't bad, y'all. Like, how the heck are we gonna have families if they're not different? That's what we just said, right? The difference between homosexual marriage and traditional marriage is actually very clear. One allows for the continuation, right? The, the giving of this communion of persons that can result in new life being conceived. The harmony of the couple and of society depends in part on the way in which the complementarity needs a mutual support between the sexes are lived out. And then it says, each of the two sexes, so each of them, is an image of the power and tenderness of God with equal dignity, though in a different way. The union of man and woman in marriage is a way of imitating in the flesh the Creator's generosity and fecundity. Therefore, a man leaves his father and his mother and cleaves to his wife, and they become one flesh. Okay, let's go a little bit deeper. The language of our bodies, what the heck does that mean? So, what we do with our bodies, how we act, what we say, it's going to communicate something to the people around us. If you have a job interview tomorrow and you show up and you just throw your keys across the desk at the person interviewing you, you sit back in your chair, you just slouch and you cross your arms, what are you communicating to the person doing the interview? You're fired. Before you even got the job, you're fired. Exactly, you don't care. You are saying something, and you're saying it very clearly, even if you don't use words. You're communicating it in and through your body, right? So far, no one's fallen asleep. That's a good sign to me. You're communicating to me that you're getting something, if anything, out of this, right? This is an important quote for you. This is like the theme of so much of John Paul II's work. If you're looking for the purpose of your life, it's found in something like this. Man and woman can only find themselves through a sincere gift of self. Y'all, 
sorry, I just heard Father say it again, say it again. Man and woman can only find themselves through sincere gifts of self. We are called to offer ourselves as gifts to another. I have only one thing with me from the moment I'm conceived to the moment I die. I don't care what clothes I have, I don't care car, food, friends, mm, what's the one tangible thing I have from the moment I'm conceived to the moment I die? The only thing I have is my body. Therefore, my body is the greatest gift that I have through which I express myself and through which I can offer myself to another person. It is a treasure. Right? Every single one of you in this room, you each have the gift of your body. That is your own. It's part of you. It's very, very important. Right? So if you offer that gift to someone, you're saying a heck of a lot. And what that means is not that the church is trying to take away all your fun when she's like, hey, don't have sex before you're married. You want to know why she's saying that? She's like, marriage, aka vows, in front of God and all the people that we love is the only thing strong enough to hold the great weight of something like a man and a woman offering themselves completely in and through the gift of their bodies. Because as we'll see in a little bit, if we're doing this all in the way that it should be according to nature, right, woman's body is made in such a way that it's a man's responsibility on behalf of man. A responsibility, because love is responsible. Do you understand? Okay. So, as much as we talk about the language of the body, what can my body express to those around me? What am I communicating through the gift of my body? I want us to go a little bit deeper, and I want us to ask the questions less about what is my body telling everyone else, and what does my body tell me about me? Right? Because John Paul II said, the body reveals man. Okay. This is starting like part two of our presentation, and it's about to get real. So I need to do a little, I need to drink some water, and then I need to introduce what we're about to do. Okay. This is where we're going to put our grown-up caps on, right? So, one of my jobs is I am what's called a Crete model practitioner. You probably don't know what Crete model is, and that's totally fine. I teach a system um, of women's health, right, of natural family planning called Creighton Model. What that means is I teach women about their fertility, about their cycles. I teach women how to look for signs, and I'm going to talk about what those signs are, so that they can then monitor their own health and participate in that health to make educated decisions about that gift, right? Um, I also, in presenting these things to you, I usually only do it with men if they're engaged to the woman sitting in front of me, right? I'm introducing all this in this way because I'm inviting you to a place of maturity right now. Do you understand? Okay, we're about to get real deep. It's going to be biology. You probably learned some of it if you took any biology classes, but there are women in the room, and this is involving, involving excuse me, very intimate spaces of their bodies, aka their reproductive system, so we're going to reverence that right, and respectfully talk about that, and I just ask you to keep that in mind as we're talking about that, and like, hello, I'm still a woman, I'm not like in and apart from my body, so like, you're respecting me as you respect them, everyone's got it, makes sense, cool, okay, um, ick factor, so the thing we're going to talk about a lot, we're diving in guys, hope you're ready, no mic drop so we can do a billion in like the next 10 minutes, we're going to talk about cervical mucus, a woman's cervix produces mucus, 
that is the sign through which a woman can observe and be aware of with confidence her fertility as it fluctuates. Now, because of time and just because of reality, I don't really need a slide to explain man's reproductive system. It's a lot more simple. I don't mean that in like a denigrating way. It's just a reality. It's a lot more simple. So also, the next time we want to debate about if men and women are different, holy flipping cow, look at their bodies. They are different, okay? Maybe my arm is similar, right? My legs are similar, but like your reproductive system and my reproductive system look totally different, right? And you all know, both men and women, you're like, I don't really get crazy at certain times of the month unless I'm a girl. Right, you're laughing, but I'm like, no, women are not crazy, and I recommend men never be like, you're crazy. It's like the worst thing you've said. If you want to end a relationship, it probably starts there. But, 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 I'm saying that to kind of make light of it, but I also want to let you realize that, ladies, you have the capacity to know yourself so well that you don't even need to be afraid of your biological fluctuations within your hormones, right? that you can come to understand your body and then you can deal with those fluctuations, right? And then you don't have to have that kind of anxiety. And I'll explain more about that as we go. But so, starting with the men. Um, men are always fertile, period. And your reproductive system is, it's internal, but it's also the main difference is your organs, some of them are gonna be external, right? Everyone shake your head, you already knew that, I'm not teaching that, cool, okay. Women, on the other hand, your reproductive system is internal, right? There's a mystery there. There's a way in which God has created your body. Oh wait, and you're the one that carries life for nine months. It is hidden, it is protected, it is safe. Men and women are different. They are not unequal, they are equal, but they are different. And do we need one or both to allow life to continue, to have a true family? We need both, right? So a man is always fertile, but a woman is at times infertile. So as a couple, a couple is at times fertile and infertile. Now, in terms of, let's go into all this natural family planning versus contraception, come to like session five or six, and we'll really get into it. I'm just giving you a taste today. But I'm about to show you some of the slides for biology because I want you to see men, whole new world for you potentially, women, most of you probably don't know some of this, and you might have learned it, but I want you to go a little bit deeper for your own knowledge. Because men and women, here's the deal, y'all. Self-awareness is very much connected to maturity for you. Self-awareness is very much connected to holiness for you. The more I know who I am as a woman, the more you know who you are as a woman or a man, the more fully you can offer the gift of yourself to another person. I cannot give you what I do not have. If I do not possess myself, if I do not know myself, can I really give you myself? Right? Okay, so, prepare to be amazed. Um, this you've probably seen before. So the yellow almond-shaped organs, those are the ovaries. So obviously ovaries are where the eggs hang out. So there are hundreds of thousands of undeveloped eggs in a woman's ovaries. For the record, in utero, a baby girl has the most eggs she will ever have in her entire life, right? Like, in her entire life. A baby girl has eggs. That's crazy and super cool, right? Guys, you don't have that. Not bad, just different. 
right? So these eggs, they kind of hang on the ovaries, and then when they are, right, so once a month, an egg's gonna be released, it's called ovulation. It's gonna travel up in and through the things on the side that look like little arms. Those are, that's the fallopian tube, right? An egg's gonna be released, it's gonna go up through this end, the little fimbria, it's gonna travel in the fallopian tube. If and when conception occurs, it's gonna happen in the fallopian tube. But it still takes about seven to nine days before the conceived embryo, the little baby, can implant. Where's the baby gonna implant? In the uterine wall. So you see that thick muscle? That's the uterus. So when a young woman is complaining about cramps, she's not making it up, okay? The muscle contracts and relaxes, and yes, it can be painful, okay? So remember, things you should not say. You are crazy, or um, are they really that bad? Like, yes, okay? <laughs> At the base of the uterus, so you see these little kind of crypts right there. They're really small up here, sorry, but that's the cervix. So that's like the focus of the system that I teach. Within the cervix, um, this is where cervical mucus is produced, and that's huge for this system because cervical mucus is like the game changer. Just to give you an awareness, so without cervical mucus, the sperm are gonna die within a few hours, right? An egg, when it's released, is only gonna live 12 to 24 hours. It's typically gonna tend towards 12. Remember that I said the sperm are only gonna live, right, for a few hours, maybe a few minutes. With good cervical mucus, the sperm can live for three to five days. Whoa, that's different. No wonder why we have a lot of people in the world, right? That's a good thing. Okay, but I, I'm gonna keep saying this ad nauseum, sorry, but it's worth it, I want you to keep hearing it. All of this is happening in a woman's body and she's not consciously choosing it. This is the gift of how God created a woman's body. So that at every single moment, it is working to and for the gift of new life, right? That if and when new life is within her, she can carry that and care for that and guard that. Because remember, in the beginning, Adam was entrusted with what? To guard the garden. What was the most important garden within Eden? Eve, right? The garden, the mystery, the gift of Eve, the gift of her body, all of these things, okay? Um, so really quick, a few more slides of the biology. I just want you to see at the top right, the little pink circle, so the egg is gonna develop in something called a follicle. You'll see as it moves across to the left, it grows bigger and bigger and bigger. The follicle is maturing. The follicle is also producing one of her main hormones, which is estrogen. And then after the egg is released, which is at ovulation, the follicle that's left over is called the corpus luteum, which just means yellow body in Latin, because um, it looks yellow on an ultrasound, not too original. But it's super important because it produces the second main hormone, which is progesterone. So, gentlemen, your hormones are pretty stable, right? Um, women, stable in the sense that they have a certain order to them, but they look more like this. For real, though, they do. Um, which is beautiful, but all of that is happening, right, at the same time. Everything's happening. So as that's happening, you see at the bottom of this slide, this was happening in the ovary. As that's happening, you'll see the lining of the uterus. The lining of the uterus is shed when a woman has menstruation. What's happening is the lining of the uterus is shedding because there is no baby. And the lining of the uterus is gonna build up in response to estrogen, and then it's gonna secrete super nutrient-dense liquids in response to progesterone. So that again, 
if there's a baby, it's the healthiest, most hospitable environment for the baby to implant, for the baby to grow for nine months. Why is this important? I'm gonna keep repeating this. It's important because if a woman is entrusted with the gift of life, and man is entrusted with the gift of woman, then by coming to understand and respect the dignity of woman, you thereby come to understand and respect the dignity of life. I'm gonna repeat that. If a woman is entrusted with the gift of life, quite literally, physically has that capacity, right? With a foundation spiritually, right? If she's entrusted with the gift of life, and man is entrusted with the gift of woman, then man is also thereby entrusted with the gift and dignity of life itself. Okay? God has entrusted to every man the dignity of every woman. The, at the end of the day, all of these questions and the things in the world that are going on, it's answering the question of who is man going to be for woman and who is woman going to be for man. So, last slide I want to show you that I just really think is super cool. Everyone listen to this because this is insane. And if you don't think God is real after this slide, I don't really know how to convince you. Okay, so this is the cervix like hugely magnified. This Dr. Odeblad in Sweden, he did all these meticulous studies and he would take samples from like these typical certain women like every day to see what kind of different mucus is produced. There's two main types of mucus produced in a woman's body. On the left, you see the kind of mucus that's produced by estrogen. It's called type A mucus. On the right, you see the kind of mucus that's produced by progesterone, okay? It's called type G mucus. On the left, let me tell you some of the characteristics of the mucus on the left. Um, it lines itself up in parallel strands, AKA it makes channels. There's a current to help the sperm to swim in the right direction. There's this little thing called ferning, like these little things stick out of those channels so that if the sperm's head is too big or the tail's not swimming so straight, it naturally weeds out those sperm, okay? Pause. Y'all, this is ridiculous. Like, there's a current? Like, who the heck knew? Like, okay. Your brain should be exploding if you really think about that. That's insane. Quite literally, a woman has been given this great gift, and she didn't have to do anything. It's not about doing anything. It's about being who she is, right? She is a daughter who has received life from the father, and the father has given her the gift to participate and then sharing her own life and potentially having new life created within her and then offering that to the world as well. The mucus on the right, super cool, as in very different. Um, basically, acts like a plug, and you, the woman doesn't really observe it when she uses the restroom, but because it just stays in the cervix. This, under a microscope, looks like a brick wall, okay? Parallel channels with a current and a brick wall. Do you see the difference? Kind of big, right? So a woman is thereby, at times, fertile and infertile, fertile and infertile. If you want to come around for the talk of contraception, I highly recommend it. We'll go a little bit deeper with this specifically. But if God wanted human beings to have babies every time they had sex, then guess what? It would have been very simple. Women would be fertile all of the time. But they are not. Okay? And it is okay for the couple to be aware of their fertility. And if they feel that they can't have children at a certain time, to thereby avoid having children by using times of infertility. And if you want to have a baby, use times of fertility. It's almost like God gave us this gift of, of like rationality 
that we can know our bodies, and we can choose how and when to offer them. That's the point, Mom. You have the invitation right here, especially the women in the room. You don't have to just experience these things. You can come to understand these things, right? And by coming to understand yourself, you can offer a more full and total gift of yourself to another. Now, really important thing I have to say here. Um, if you have ever been prescribed a birth control pill for medical reasons, by no means am I hereby condemning you and your decision to do that, I will talk to you about that later, if that's okay, because it's a whole other topic. Um, it is just another form of hormone therapy, but there are better options for you, and I can share that with you. It would start with something like what I teach, learning how to chart, and then we would supplement your hormones naturally. Um, that was a commercial break. I'll give you lots of resources to explain that, but I have to keep going. So, what does this look like tangibly? Um, on the chart, if you look at the top, right, there's these different color stamps, y'all. So this is, this is how God made our bodies. So this is what nature tells us, right? The world is trying to tell me that gender I can choose, right? When I'm saying, instead of trying to like go find myself, right? Well, what does someone say when they get They're like, go find yourself. They mean go out of yourself and go look around and see what makes you happy. If you want to find yourself, look inward to say, how the heck have I been created? Who am I from within? Because you want to know who resides within you if you are open to it? God himself. Because you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. That is the great gift of your body. That is the great gift that you offer to another person, right? when you offer something like the gift of sex, which is why, unless a man or a woman has proven themselves worthy of such a great gift, no offense to them, but they don't deserve the gift. They don't deserve the gift. Love is responsible. Love is a choice. These stamps at the top, they correspond to certain signs that a woman observes, okay? Um, I was just in Italy for a week. I know, whatever. That happens. <laughs> I'm not gonna say that. I'm like, oh yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm not fluent in Italian at this point, so it's always very interesting. But in Italy, there's like all these different languages being spoken, and it's beautiful, right? But there's a difference between me going to Mass in Italy. I'm like, Jesus, thank you so much for the gift of the Mass. Thank you that, you know, the form is, this language of the Mass is universal. And at the same time, I have no idea what you just said in the homily. So, you know, whatever grace I need from that, thank you, Lord, right? Coming to Mass today, I'm like, oh, English. Praise the Lord for the gift of English. What's the difference? I know the language, right? Can we learn new languages? Yes. What does it usually take the time and effort, right? But we first learn the letters, and then we put the letters together and we form words, and then we put the words together and we form sentences, right? That's how it starts. You start with baby steps. A woman can learn the gift of her body by coming to know these different signs that she observes. And then, guess what? These stamps that correspond with the signs, she puts them on this thing called the chart. But I want you to look at that. Imagine if the whole chart were filled, those lines would all look very similar. It's a pattern. There's a consistency to it. Because a woman's cycle is consistent in some way, right? The gift is that a woman Although more complex, right? So men, when you get married, this is, if you're called a marriage, this is your invitation too. You can come to understand what a woman's body is saying. You can come to learn the language. And women, if you want to grow in self-awareness, which is the greatest gift you can really have right now because it's 
you becoming who you are and being able to offer that fully, if you want to grow more in that gift, I want to encourage you to challenge you a little bit too, to try and come to know the gift of your body, especially through the gift of your fertility, because it affects everything, okay? That day we were walking to class and you're like, I don't know, I want to cry, but I want to cry. Or like someone says something to you and you start getting really upset and you're like, no, I'm not like PMSing. I'm just upset because you said something stupid. And you're like, I don't really know why I'm so upset about what she just said. Okay, you know what I'm talking about. Your mom's like, okay, you're probably doing it. And she's like, no, I'm not. You realize, right? Ladies, the gift and power of a woman who knows where she is, even in her cycle, is that you can make really healthy decisions. For example, at the end of a woman's cycle, I work with clients, right? I mean like teenagers to like 30-something-year-olds, right? Married, unmarried, all over the place. This is, every woman's body is unique, but there's a commonality to it. And every woman's body, the way it affects her, there's going to be certain experiences. Among them, I would say, at the end of your cycle, right, because of the drop in your progesterone levels, do not make big life decisions. <laughs> Period. And do not go shopping. That's included in that because you're going to lose all your money really fast. You're laughing, some of you, because you know that it's probably happened. You make impulsive buys emotionally, and you're like, why did I buy all this stuff? Because you kind of are really sad, right? Okay. So, I'm not saying that I'm trying to have you negate who you are. No, 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 no. I'm actually challenging you to an even deeper freedom, because the power, you want empowerment, ladies? You want empowerment? Become a woman open to the Holy Spirit who knows who she is. That's authentic empowerment. Men, you want empowerment? I know it's not as much of a buzzword for y'all. The feminist movement, I don't know what I call it. Anyway, men, you want empowerment though, but truly, you want to be a man of strength, authentic strength, not like whatever the world's saying it is and it changes every 10 seconds. Be a man who is open to the Holy Spirit and knows who he is. Know your weak points and strengthen them. Right? Yes. Okay. End of that plug. Um, or else, simple answer, if you're like, I don't really know if I want to start charting, just get a free app and just start paying attention. That's my invitation. Just start, start, start paying attention. And then if you want to start charting, go for that. I can offer a whole intro session to y'all another day. Um, and if and when you are called to marriage, you will be that much more prepared because you will know who you are, not just emotionally and psychologically, but also physically. Okay. Um, so I kind of said this. So why is this important? Woman, you are entrusted, right? The guardian of what? Oh no, the answer's in front of you. It's like school. Just give me the answer. Man, you're entrusted with the guardian of who? Woman. So ultimately, man, who are you in charge of entrusting? Who? That doesn't make any sense. Forget the question. Jet lag. Who are you entrusted with? Life itself. I mean, no big deal, guys, but like, you want to see like true masculinity? It's a man that lays down his life for another, right? So, I need to make two really important distinctions for you before I finish this slideshow. Clarifications needed, this is what they are. Number one, this is not a biological determinism. You are not a robot. All the women in the room are not in the same point in their cycles and they're not gonna all act the exact same way where they are in their cycles. And you're not just supposed to like memorize factual data. No, 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 no. And you're also not called to have 25 kids. I mean, if you thought that. 12, whatever. You're not called to have 12. Every single woman in this room, you are called to be a mother. Foundationally speaking, what I mean when I say that is that's a spiritual reality. You can live that today. 
Meaning, by being who I am, not by what I do, by being who I am, I bring life to those around me. Do you understand? You're just with your friends, you're just with them, okay? First and foremost, you're a daughter, and then as you interact with each other, you become a sister, and then eventually one day to one who has proven himself worthy, bride or wife, and then mother. But foundationally speaking, right now, you are spiritually in a relationship with the eternal bridegroom, and for the rest of your life, you will be if you are open to it, right? His name is Jesus, if you didn't know, where I was not that. Okay, men, right, you are first and foremost a son. So, hey, gender theory, what the heck, wasting my time right now for me to get all caught up in that. You want confusion? Just keep going down that path. It's good to be aware of it, but I'm telling you, if you want a stable answer, guys, if you want firm footing to stand on, then understand this. Men, you are different than women. Praise God. I am so thankful for that. Can you imagine? Never mind. That'd be insane. That's crazy, right? Totally crazy. It's beautiful the way that we are different, but we need both. Men, you are first and foremost called to be a son. Listen, you can learn from women because you learn how to first receive. You need to receive from the Father. And if your earthly father is not a good example of a man, I'm very sorry. You don't deserve that, but you have an eternal father who is always present to you if you are open. And if you want to learn how to be a man, I mean, what the heck is more manly than flipping Jesus on the cross, giving up his life for the world? I don't really know. That's it. That's the epitome, right? Because what is his, everyone look at the cross and listen to the Lord, no. Look at the crucifix back there. Oh, you all listen. Thank you. Look at it. Everyone look at it. Please just look at it. Thank you. His body, okay, you can look back at me. His body is saying something. It is clearly communicating something. It's communicating, this is my body given up for you. What does that mean? I pour out my life for you. He, right, shows you what it means in the flesh included to be a man. First you are son, then amongst everyone else you become brother. Then at the proper time, Right? You offer yourself a gift, you are a bridegroom or a groom, right? a husband, and then you become father. Man initiates the gift, woman receives and responds. Together, there is a communion of persons that reflects the Trinity. That is powerful, and that's a spiritual foundation before it's physical. But all of you are called to be fathers. Father Andrew, does he have any less connection to this because he doesn't have biological children? No, what the heck do you call him? You call him father. Because he's a father. Do you understand? Really cool. Oh, it's like it's all connected. Good job, church. Okay. <laughs> Jet lag again. Um, okay, so, not biological determinism. You get to choose and offer yourself. It's the gift of the person. One more important thing. Um, there's, this could be a whole other thing. I could just give you all some notes to read on this. But integral sex complementarity, just cool words to say. Um, it's not like you're fractions. It's not like 50% woman, 50% man. You are 100% whole as a person, right? A man and a woman, however, usually when you think of courage, strength, they, they attribute them as masculine virtues, right? Or gentleness. They attribute that as a feminine virtue. It does not mean that a man cannot be gentle or that a woman cannot be strong and courageous. We can be. We should be. But we are called, right, to learn from each other. You are a whole person, right? But we do have certain strengths and weaknesses, and we are invited. This is the gift of complementarity. I am not enough in and of myself 
meaning that I am made and will find my fulfillment offering myself as a gift to another. Does that make sense? Okay. There's also a quote from St. Francis de Sales, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but he says um, something like, there is no true strength as gentleness and no true gentleness as real strength. Food for thought. Okay, so in closing for you, women, when you're called to motherhood, what does your body say? Spiritual foundation. I mean, you can pour yourself out if you don't even have biological children, okay? I'm jet lagged to give a presentation. Okay, this isn't that bad, it's really enjoyable for me. But still, hopefully you're getting something out of it, but there's a pouring out of my heart, right? Trust me, I took a nap on Miss Julie's couch for like an hour today because I was not functioning at all, okay? In a very real way, even deeper than that, when you're called to be mother, this is my body given up for you. Men, when you are called to be father, it starts today, the decisions you're making right now. This is my body given up for you. Right? That even desires that come up, if they're not the right time, I realize that I offer those up and I offer them up to the Lord to transform them, to choose love in this moment. Okay? Um, if, two last things for scripture verses. If Adam was called, right, to guard the garden, who did we say was the most important garden for him to guard? Eve. Yeah, thank you for following that. It was a lot of words. Um, Eve garden multiple times. So there's this book in the Bible called The Song of Songs. And when I was praying with this earlier, I was like, huh. good job, Jesus. This is what it says. This is the bridegroom speaking to the bride. It's a love poem in the middle of the Bible. Yes, God is a romantic. He's not hopeless because he's hope itself, but he's a romantic. So it says, you have ravished my heart, my sister, my bride. You have ravished my heart with a glance of your eyes, with one jewel of your necklace. How sweet is your love, my sister, my bride. How much better is your love than wine. And the fragrance of your oils than any spice. And then he talks about lots of cool things and what she smells like and what she looks like. And then he says, a garden locked. A garden locked. Is my sister, first she is sister, then my bride. A garden locked, a fountain sealed. And then he says, she is a garden fountain, a well of living water, and flowing streams from Lebanon, which is always an image of new life, right? Woman is called to guard life from within. A garden locked, a fountain sealed, right, is my sister, my bride. So, my invitation and my challenge to you is to remember, yes, men and women are different, praise God. But you are complementary. We can learn so much from each other, and we need each other in the sense that for us to find our personal fulfillment, we truly do desire to offer ourselves as gifts. And the most precious gift I can ever offer another is the one tangible thing I have that's part of it, which is the gift of my body, right? When you look at the gift of your body, when you're getting dressed in the morning, pray a glory be. It is a gift that glorifies God. He's entrusted it to you. Guard it well and offer it in love alone, right? So to take to prayer, um, this is the last scripture verse, and it just says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, who you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. In your little clothing image is what I like to call Joseph holding, Mary holding Jesus. It's called a quiet moment in real life. But notice the woman, right? The, the holy family is the 
right? Communion of persons, image of the divine, except it also has a divine, which is like super cool. That's what we're all called to. The woman guards life. The man guards woman. But look, he's holding both of them. The man guards woman and so also guards life. Let's say a closing prayer and then we can go for questions if you want to stay. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Dear Father, we just praise and thank you for the gifts of this night. We thank you, Lord, for speaking your words. Lord, I ask that you would just seal all the graces that you have offered to this, to this evening and to your children and to their hearts. I ask you to pour your Holy Spirit of strength upon your daughters and upon your sons. I ask that you would give to your sons the, the wisdom that they need to know how and when to truly offer this, to be unafraid to offer the gift of themselves, to pour themselves out for life. And Lord, we also ask that you would give your grace to your daughters, that they would know how and when to receive the gifts offered to them prudently. Lord, that they would know how to offer the gift of their beauty to you first, so that you would teach them how to offer it to the world around them. That both your sons and your daughters would have the, the desire through your grace to go deeper into relationship with you, that they can learn how to be truly sons and truly daughters who are prepared to offer themselves for the life of the world. And to echo your example of this is my body given up for you. Teach us to live our lives so that all of us, our whole person's body and soul, glorifies you, Lord, and we invite your spirit to reside even deeper within the temple of our bodies tonight. And Mother Mary, spouse of the spirit, we entrust this time and these graces to you. And whatever questions come up or things that have been struck by this talk, I just ask that you would walk with them as, your, as, as their mother to lead them to the answers and to lead them to peace. As we say, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks, guys. I know we went a little bit over. Two quick comments.